0: Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 25 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Julie Carson. Julie is originally from Georgia, but now lives in Utah. She works as a Christian health coach, and she helps people with emotional eating and body image issues. So welcome, Julie. So glad that
1: you're here today. Thank you. Yes, I'm excited to be here.
0: Well, great. So I'd like to start by asking, what brought you to intermittent fasting, and how long have you been living this way?
1: Well, what brought me here was I started out with, I was very intrigued with Dr. Jason Fung and been studying his work, reading his books and experimenting with long-term fasting. I started out with a three-day fast and then I went to a five-day fast. And I thought I could do it because I had been doing a ketogenic lifestyle two years prior to that. And so I'm like, my body's a pro at this. I can burn all kinds of fat doing this. So I, I did it and it crashed my health. It completely crashed it. I was very tired and I had no zest left in me to do anything. So then a friend of mine introduced me to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast, and it had just started. I think you guys had like three episodes, and I'm like, oh, this is what I'm going to do. I was hooked. So I'd been listening to you guys, and instead of doing the full-on days-in-a-row fast, I went to just two meals a day, and then I took out one of the meals and put in two snacks. (laughs) And I did like a four hour window. And then that crashed me. That was too much for me. And then I went up to an eight hour window and I've been there ever since. And I feel amazing.
0: I love your story then because you started off with more extreme approaches, feeling like you know most of us do, or many of us have the idea more is better. if, If a 16-hour fast is great, then a five-day fast must be phenomenal. (laughs) And we realize that that's not true. When you say that the longer fasts at first, when you were doing the three-day, five-day, when you say they crashed your health, what do you mean by that?
1: I was very tired. I had struggled with chronic fatigue for a very long time, and my chronic fatigue returned. I could barely get out of bed, and I work a full-time job as a care planner at an insurance company and I could barely do that. And just getting through the day without major brain fog. So doing my job was very difficult. And it's a very mentally challenging job. So I was struggling so much. And then of course, depression set in, because I'm a health coach. (laughs) So I mean, if think about a health coach who's not feeling healthy. And now she's got to help other people feel healthy. I I had to just like put it aside until I figured out my own problems and got myself afloat. So, yeah, that was crashed for me.
0: And then you said you felt the same way when you had a, a shorter eating window of four hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How long did you try that eating window? And before you realized this is just not for me.
1: So, I did the four hour eating window for quite some time. I did it for about a year, if I remember my timeline correctly. I did it for about a year, and it was amazing. I loved the four-hour eating window when I very first started, but then some stresses started piling into my life, more so than usual. Like I had a dog die. I had been traveling, and I think this stress from the four-hour eating window and all the other stresses combined was just too much for me.
0: Yeah, I think that's an excellent point you know, we start with something and it's working really well. So we can assume that that's just the way it's going to be forever. But over time, things change and you need to make adjustments.
1: Right? Yeah. And so I may go back to the four hour eating window and just kind of go back and forth, depending on how much stress is in my life. And just kind of gauge things like before I was hardwired, I'm going to do four hours, no matter what. And it got to a point where i was so militant about keeping the 4 hour window at nighttime when it was time to go to bed i would have so much hunger and it was starting to make me feel sick but i'm like nope doing my 4 hour eating window and this is i'm just going to ignore this and then it just it came to a point where i could not ignore it anymore
0: that is so important because your body was sending you signals yes. that this was not working for you. Mm-hmm. You should not feel worse and worse over time. Right, right. yeah, Exactly,
1: and that's what was happening. And so everybody
0: who's listening to this really internalize this message because, you know, Julie, I bet you, like me, have also tried lots of diets over the years and different plans, different protocols, mm-hmm. <laughs> and many of us are rule followers, right? Yep. We set a rule, and your rule was – I am going to limit myself to four hours. Yeah, And then your body kind of backfired on you and your body
1: rebelled. Yes, yeah. So it was nice to have that, knowing I can shift back and forth and I'm not gonna put on a ton of weight and I didn't. That was like my worst fear is that all the weight was gonna come back and I was gonna start to feel miserable again, but I didn't. I just started stretching out everything I ate over a period of time and it was, it was amazing.
0: So let me ask you this. Were you at your goal weight or a great size for your body when all of a sudden the four-hour window started to feel too short? I was. Yep. Okay. That's also another important takeaway because I think our needs change as we approach or get to our ideal body. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have as much stored fat to run on. Yeah. And I think our bodies can sense that and say, all right, you know, we need more food now because we're not running on on all that stored fat. We need to eat some more food. Yeah, that's true. So now that you have the eight-hour window, a lot of days, you can still go back and forth as you need to. Yeah. How much weight did you lose over time with intermittent fasting during the time? Because I'm thinking back, using the clues you said that you started listening to the podcast, the first, you know, the intermittent fasting podcast when we only had a few episodes, that would have been April to May of 2017. Uh So how did the weight loss part go along with you? What was the journey like?
1: All right. So I wasn't really that overweight, but I was in a medium, small size. And when I got to my ideal weight, well, the one that I was thinking, wow, this is amazing. This is where I've always wanted to be. I was at a small and I was Like, this is it. I'm happy here. I really like the way I look. And I was like a medium was getting too large for me, whereas it had never been too large for me before, except for when I was a teenager. And so when I first started, I'm trying to think where, yeah, you know what? I think it was more just I struggled. I white knuckled so big time, so hard to stay at a medium And when I started intermittent fasting, it was no longer a struggle. It was just so easy. I didn't worry about food. I was no longer obsessed with it. I wasn't obsessed with my body image. And we'll talk maybe more about that later. Definitely. I want to. Yeah. And so it was like the body image thing was kind of out the window. (laughs) I won't say it was completely because I still struggled a little bit. And so I think it's more that it was easier for me to stay at the size I wanted.
0: See, that's important because a lot of people who have been on this podcast or who are listening to this podcast had a lot of weight to lose, and intermittent fasting can certainly help people with a lot of weight to lose get to their their weight loss goals, but you didn't have a ton of weight to lose. It was just a matter of you had worked really, really hard to stay at a certain size, and then all of a sudden, it didn't feel like work anymore.
1: Exactly. Yep. That
0: explains it. And I think that's also very important for people to understand because how many of us have dieted our way down to a size or a weight, and then it is just so hard to stay there. Right. Yep. I can remember actually having a conversation with somebody about that years and years and years ago, way before intermittent fasting. And it's like, I did it. I got to my goal weight. And they're like, yeah, well, now the hard part starts. And I just looked at them like they were crazy because <laughs> I was like, what? No, getting here was the hard part. Staying here will be easy. But of course, they were right. (laughs) Right. It's so true. Oh my goodness. But intermittent fasting does change that. You know, I got to my goal weight. The day that we're recording this is actually about a month before it will air. But my goal anniversary is coming up this week. It will Mm be, yeah, it'll be four years since I got to my initial goal weight. And honestly, it has not been a struggle to stay here at all. That's awesome. It's been for the first time ever. It is easy to stay here, so I'm glad that you've had the same experience. When was that? When did you get to that that goal feeling?
1: Oh, I would say probably oh gosh. It didn't seem like long. Maybe six months into intermittent fasting, I started to realize, hey, this is easy. I got this. I can live this way. And it just seemed unreal. <laughs> it right. was so it's such a weird Feeling not to struggle anymore. And so now I'm just like, now what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> now you just live your life, right? Yep. So it seems
0: like you've probably been in the goal or quote maintenance, you know, stage for, for over a year now then, right? Yep. Does that sound right with your time on? Yep. So that's when you start to really become confident.
1: Yes. Yep.
0: So what would you tell people who are are just getting the goal and they're scared?
1: I would say keep at the intermittent fasting. I would say don't be worried about it because the intermittent fasting, as long as you honor your signals that your body is giving you, you're going to be fine.
0: I think that's important. And you clearly honored your signals when all of a sudden a four-hour window wasn't working for you anymore. And you you felt the need to extend it and have a longer window. And instead of like forcing yourself to go to bed hungry – you're like, Hey, I just need to eat more food.
1: Right? Yep.
0: Now, are you aware? I'm curious about that.
1: No, I don't. <laughs> and I'm working myself up to that point to where I can, but I just know how much muscle mass and how different the fat and muscle mass weight is. And since I am doing a lot of weight training. I am afraid to weigh myself because I know that number on the scale is not what I'm hoping it'll be. I'm still working on that. There's so much emotion tied
0: into that number. There is, yeah. That's actually why I threw my scale away. You know, you've probably heard me tell that story, but I thought it would say one thing after not weighing for a long period of time, I was expecting one number and I was a good five, seven pounds heavier than I thought I would be. And I say, quote, heavier, but I had, had lost sizes. And so I was mad at the scale. Then I was mad at myself for being mad at the scale. Right. And then I was like playing games in my head and thinking, but I really want to see that number. So I guess I should die. I'm like, wait, no, no, (laughs) stop. (laughs) Because
1: when you're at a size that feels good, that's what matters, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, the size and the way you feel like healthy wise, that matters to me so much. And so I got to a point where, when I stopped my four-hour eating window and went to an eight-hour eating window, I'm like, I don't even care if I gain weight as long as I feel healthy. I mean, of course, there was a little part of me that did care if I gained weight, but like the main part of me was like, I just want to be healthy. I just want to feel good. And, and that's when the body image thing, I started really getting into that, and it really made me aware of how much I struggled with body image.
0: So tell us some more about that, about the struggles with body image and how that's been a part of your life, maybe how long it's been a part of your life and how it's helped or hindered you throughout the
1: years. Yeah. And so it started when I was a kid (laughs) and my sister, I have a twin sister, and we would have this competition with the scales, constantly seeing how much we weigh and competing with each other. And I think that was like the birth of my body image problem. I mean, I'm sure everybody has something started it, but I think that's where I started. And I would just look in the mirror, I'd see myself and my inner bully would come out and just start berating me and belittling me. And it just seemed like that bully, the voice just got louder and louder and louder. And I didn't even realize it was there. You know what? It's like a white noise that you just get so used to it. And I didn't really realize it was there until I was willing to sacrifice my health for the way I looked. And also because I started getting into thought work. I went to the life coach school with Brooke Castillo and we started doing thought work together and I started really paying attention to my voice in my head. And that's when it was so loud and clear that I had this bully inside me and she was just constantly... (laughs) berating me and belittling me like I was saying earlier and it was so crazy when I finally stopped berating and bullying myself and started loving myself it was the most amazing thing ever to finally be able to love myself for who I was and just all those little lumps and bumps that were in the place I didn't think they should be I just started saying this is who I am today and you know cuz sometimes you can't say oh i i love the way i look because your mind doesn't believe it so you have to start somewhere and so that's where i started i started with this is who i am today and that was it that was like the key for me was finding that thought that i could believe i love that phrase
0: this is who i am today yeah And I guess you were just focused on accepting your body as it is, like you said, and instead of thinking, boy, I need to change this and I need to change that, you were just accepting it.
1: I was, yeah. And just saying, this person who's in the mirror got me this far, and she was doing it, speaking of myself, I was doing it because I had good intentions for myself, even the bully in my head had good intentions for myself, so it's like you can't get too mad at the bully because the bully was trying to get you where you thought you wanted to be, but it's just a matter of kind of shifting it and turning it from a bully to like saying, I understand, bully, that you meant well for me, but it's not working anymore, let's try something different.
0: And with this shift. Would you say it came
1: along with intermittent fasting? Like, did they happen at the same time? It happened, I would say, a year after. So a year into intermittent fasting is when the shift took place.
0: That's interesting because I think the same has happened with me. My body has cellulite on it. And you know what? That's how my body is made. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that's it's, the minute I hit puberty. Boom! There was cellulite on my thighs. My mother had it, and she was always so self conscious about it that I think that rubbed off on me. Mm. <laughs> so I wouldn't wear shorts, you know, for a long time. And now I'm almost fifty, and. I'm just wearing shorts and embracing my swimsuit. I'm like, you know what? I have cellulite. All right, here it is. Yeah, that's (laughs)
1: awesome. I'm not hiding it anymore. Right. And who's to say what looks good and what doesn't look good? Beauty's in the eye of the beholder. And we've been programmed all these years to think the image in the magazines are what's beautiful. And even the word fat, (laughs) it's like, who's to say that fat's a bad word even, I know that sounds weird because we've been programmed for so long to see a fat person. And if we were to describe somebody as fat, they would think that was derogatory or bad. But I think if we were to even reframe the way we hear the word fat or the way we see fat people around us and have love for them and ourselves the same way, I think it would change the world.
0: Well, I think also a powerful statement I've seen or heard is, you know, we aren't fat, we have fat. Just like we aren't toenails, but we have toenails, right? right? You know, it's just a part of our body. (laughs) My body has fat on it, as does every living human's body. We all have fat. And so my cellulite Happens to show up as an area that is a little wobbly, and that's where my body is storing that extra fat. And it's just the way my body is designed to be. Yeah. And so, but you're right, it is an emotionally charged word. Right. And for some reason, it softens it to me to use the word obese. You know, I was obese. Kind of makes me feel, uh, to say I was fat. It's just right. that yeah. word. But I can say I was obese, and I guess because it's medical. Maybe I'm not sure. It's a medical
1: terminology for it. And that's funny because to me, I could handle the word fat better than I could handle the word obese. It is so weird. Yeah. It
0: is, and it's so much of our own... Mm-hmm. You know, the way we're, we've written it, the message in our minds, yeah. because, you know, I can talk about back when I was obese all day long and it doesn't bother me. But when I say back when I was fat, I don't know, that makes me cringe. So we all have different responses to the exact same words, which is interesting. Yeah. That goes back to the, the thought work that you were talking about mm-hmm. in our inner voices. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's, that's cool. It is. You know, you talk about how y'all had the, you know, the competitive scale, you know, weighing,
1: did some of that carry over with her too into adulthood? Oh, definitely. Yeah. We both have the same struggles. Um, She's um, also struggling with the inner bully as well. And she started intermittent fasting just recently. I actually would say it's not just recently. She started intermittent fasting a year after I started intermittent fasting, and at first she was like, Oh my gosh, roll eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Every time we talk about it, I could, even though I don't, I can't see her because she lives in Florida. I could just hear the eyes rolling because you know how twins are kind of connected. <laughs> right. And so, but then she was like, She started hearing the positive stuff coming from it for me. And I stopped beating myself up on the phone. I stopped worrying about my weight. At least I perceived that's what she was hearing. And that's what spurred her to want to start intermittent fasting.
0: So she heard the you know, the freedom
1: yeah. coming from you. Yeah, she did. And so she started doing it. And she's also had the same struggles where she got too militant with her eating window. And now she's almost same exact thing. Now she's having to open the eating window to a longer time. Has she met her goals as far as like her body image goals,
0: body size goals? I
1: think so. I do. I I know that she was down also to a small and loving it but then when she started struggling it was like the weight was coming on no matter what like she was in a four-hour eating window and so she had all these stressors coming at her and she for some reason was gaining the weight no matter what during the four-hour eating window so then she realized and I helped her also to realize that it's not the food you got to do something different it's got to be the stress it's like actually just happened within the last week or so Okay, so she lengthened her window and that helped her body to relax a little bit. I'm hoping so. Yeah, we'll find out. We'll find out.
0: That's such an important concept because, you know, we have stresses on our bodies and some stresses are good stresses and, you know, like exercise, that's a good stress. And intermittent fasting is a good stress, but you can also
1: overdo both exercise and intermittent fasting, to the point that they become a negative for your body. Exactly. It's like the sun. Like The sun's good for you, but if you go out in the sun for too long, you're going to get a sunburn. And it's kind of the same thing with fasting. If you do it too hard, too militant, don't listen to your body, you're going to get burned. Oh,
0: I love that analogy. And it's also different for every person.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: And also might be different for you at a different stage, like you mentioned earlier. Yeah. You know, I was just on a beachy cruise vacation with the Delay Don't Deny community. It was fabulous. Oh,
1: I'm so, I wish I could have gone.
0: Oh, well, maybe you can join us in 2020. Yes. <laughs> it was actually magical, and I could probably talk about it for seven hours straight. <laughs> but, you know, what, looking at, at everyone in the community, some people were, had brown skin that tanned easily. And then there were people like me who slathered on the sunscreen <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because we burn. And so the same thing is true with intermittent fasting. And, you know, Donna Doobie, who I talked to in an earlier episode, she had a very short one hour window for a whole lot of the process wow. and may even still do that now.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: Her body was fine with that. Didn't feel like it was too stressful. But for many people, that would be
1: too much. Right. Oh, that's such a good analogy where you have your tan people and your really sensitive people. So me and my sister would be like the sensitive people. The <laughs> That's awesome. I love it.
0: Yeah, because I'm like one of those people, I w- would be so super burned if I stayed out yeah. in the sun. So I'm, I'm looking for shade. I still get sun on my skin, but little little doses of it yeah. here and there, but not in the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was proud because when I got home, someone said, you didn't get any sun at all. I'm like, well, I did get some, yeah. but I didn't burn. That's good. So that's good. So the lesson out of this is everybody pay attention to your body and you do not want to overstress yourself. Right. Yeah and some people actually when they have a short window don't lose weight. Yeah. And they need that longer window. Your sweet spot might be 6 hours, it might be 5 hours, it might be 8 hours.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I think it has something to do with our our bodies. I mean, if you have live a very stressful life where you're just go 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 all the time, your body just requires a little bit more and if it's got a lot of stress, it ends up storing fat because it's kind of like in survival mode I hate to use that word because I know some people think that their metabolism is going to get damaged but I don't believe that per se but I do feel like too much stress makes our body kind of like store the fat away
0: oh I absolutely believe it because we are programmed to respond to famines and wars and times you know when food was scarce our bodies conserve right yeah and you know excess cortisol, you know the stress hormone that can lead to weight gain, you know particularly belly fat, that right. sort of thing. If you start finding that you feel very stressed and you are suddenly packing on the belly fat, that's a sign that you've got to work on some something. Yeah. You know to help bring that down. So as a health coach, do you work with your clients on reducing the stress? What what are some techniques you recommend?
1: Well, yes, we definitely work on reducing the stress and to try to change their lifestyle slowly in a way that they can manage. Because I know if you were to just automatically just take out all your stressors, that would probably mean your job, kids, (laughs) your husband, you know. And so I help them to find the stressors that they can remove. And then they just work up from there. It's kind of like the snowball effect or the compound effect.
0: Yeah, because we can't remove those stressful
1: things. Right. It's more of like working on how we respond to them in a way. Right. And adding things into their life like meditation, breathing, and just really good food that's not going to stress out their body because our diets can stress out our body. And not listening to your body when it's struggling with something is awful stress. It's very bad stress. Yeah,
0: that's an excellent point. I actually believe... Based on, you know, the thousands of people I've been watching over the years who live an intermittent fasting lifestyle, I believe that intermittent fasting helps us kind of clear the way to focus on our lives to the point that we're able to better identify our stressors. And it helps us to clarify our responses to the point that, you know, I find I'm a whole lot more even-tempered than I used to be. Right, yeah. I guess for a better way of putting it, I'm calmer. Yeah, I find that also. And so I'm able to, you know, say, you know what, let's say my husband's grouchy. Not that my husband's ever grouchy, right? <laughs> but let's hypothetically imagine that my husband was grouchy. Right. I can say, you know what, in my mind, this is not about me. Uh, he's not grouchy because of me. It's not anything I'm meant to do or even if it was something I did, you know, I don't have to own his grouchiness.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's the same. I feel that also. And I also feel like fasting has made me more of a minimalist in other areas also. It's crazy what it, I've heard other people say that too. And it's true for me as well.
0: Me too. I do spend money. I probably spend more money on, on high quality food than anything else. Yes. You know, if I add it up because food, I want to have nutritious food. I want it to be delicious, but that's the only area where my spending has gone up. Like, I used to be the person who bought the latest and greatest, you know, iPhone every time yeah. it came out. I still have a, a nice iPhone, but, you know, I've gone through
1: several cycles now. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't need a new one. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. I love it. And I'm the same way. The gadgets. <laughs> like now, instead of being into phone electronic gadgets, I'm into health electronic gadgets. So tell, tell me some of your favorite health electronic gadgets. I would say right now it is the sauna that we built in our house and it was kind of a makeshift sauna so it's not one of the big wood ones but we just got like a a cotton drop cloth and we it's in one of those slide pocket closets and so it's kind of a long closet kind of the old-timey right the house was built in 1971 so it has those sliding door closets and so we took out the sliding doors we put in some cedar slats where the shelf is usually, and we put the cloth over like a tent, and so it's like a not like a a teepee tent, but kind of like a gosh a boxy rectangular tent. And then we put the lights up against the wall on our little ladder that we built, and it's amazing. Is it infrared? Yeah, it's the near and far infrared heat lamp bulbs that you can get on Amazon. We use the Ruby Lux in ours.
0: All right, so how do you how often do you use your sauna and what
1: benefits have you seen from it? Okay, so with the sauna, it's the same as fasting, you can't overdo it. <laughs> you have to right. start out slowly. And so I do 10 minutes a day in the morning, 5 days a week, and what I've found so far is just the energy. I feel amazing. I feel so much better. I do it you can do it at nighttime, but I do it in the morning just because that's when I have the time to do it. But they say nighttime's even better because it relaxes you and helps you sleep. But in the morning, just as well, it works just as well for me in the morning. And I still sleep very nicely at night. Ever since I started doing it, I will say the quality of my sleep has improved immensely.
0: I've always been kind of intrigued with the idea of a sauna. Yeah. I would really probably like to try one. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, they're amazing.
1: They're so cool. There's so much
0: research on it now. I mean, I've been in a sauna. I mean, I, when I say I'd like to try one, don't, I, I've been in one, like at a health club, right? But not regularly, right? Right, to see what it's like. So now I'm feeling inspired because I joined the Y, I guess at some point in December, and they've got, you know, I think a sauna there. So hmm. maybe this week I will start dipping in and out of that sauna when I go to take my Pilates class yeah there
1: you go and then I hear you guys talking about the red light a lot (laughs) and so initially I was like I'm gonna get a red light I'm gonna get a red light when I get my taxes I'm gonna get a red light and I I was just researching and I still I think the red light is so awesome and I still want one But the only reason I got the sauna instead of the red light is because I needed to do a lot of detoxing because I had a lot of heavy metals, I had mold exposure, and I found out that the sauna was really good for people who have had mold exposure and heavy metal toxicity, which definitely was me. So that was the only reason I chose that first over the red light.
0: Now, I'm going to sound like I don't know anything, so forgive me. I don't. Is it hot?
1: Do you sweat? Well, yeah, it's really, you know, it's not as hot as a regular sauna, the infrared light heats you from the inside out. And so it doesn't take as long. And it's just faster and more effective than going to a really, really hot sauna. Where you're like sweating it out. Yeah, because the really hot sauna is actually, it's a little bit harder on you. If you have a lot of stress in your life, it's just added extra stress during
0: that session. Okay. So there's something to be said for one that's not as hot. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I'll keep that in mind. But yeah, I definitely want to experiment. We had access on the, the cruise that we just went on. We had access to they had like steam rooms and they had you know, aromatherapy and yes. it was hot and we were super sweaty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we definitely needed to detox all that food. Oh and my
1: goodness, I can only imagine. That would have been so awesome.
0: It was great. So let's talk about foods. You mentioned that before. You talked about choosing foods that help your body to not be stressed out. How has what you eat changed with intermittent fasting, or has it not? Do you still eat the
1: same way you used to? Oh, my goodness. I have a good story for you here. I love it. Yay. (laughs) Okay. So (laughs) when I very first started intermittent fasting, I was like, I'm going to eat whatever I want during my eating window. Okay, hold on. I have to back up a little bit. I started out with ketogenic diet in my eating window. Right. But then I was like slowly starting to go into, well, why don't I experiment? Let's stop doing the keto in my eating window and let's just eat whatever I want in my eating window because, heck, I'm only eating four hours a day. So let's give this a try because I'm one to experiment on myself. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. And so I was eating anything I wanted and I wasn't really paying attention to what my body was telling me. (laughs) And so I was probably ignoring a lot of different things during this eating period where I ate everything. And yeah, I was eating the chocolate, the popcorn, the bread, everything. And then (laughs) I think that may have been part of my crash also. And so when I finally listened to my body, and I don't know if it was or not, because I did have like the death of a dog and... Traveling somewhere, which for me is hard because I have to leave my other dog all by himself when my other dog had just died. Me traveling happened simultaneously with my dog dying. Oh, that was hard, I'm Awful. sure. So I don't know if it was the bad eating that crashed me or the stress of my dog dying and traveling that crashed me. I'm not sure. But, anyways, to move on, yeah, when that happened and I crashed. I started weeding everything out. I'm like, okay, I'm not eating anything I want anymore. I'm going to start putting in the good food. And I did. And I started feeling better almost immediately.
0: Oh, good. And I think that's such an important point to really drive home with people. And I love your story because you're like, well, I'm doing intermittent fasting. I can eat whatever I want. And you just threw it all back in there. And so my advice would actually be, You know, to focus on the fasting first without, you know, all the dietary changes, you had been eating keto. And so changing both to fasting and your diet at the same time, that's a lot of change. So for anybody who's, you know, just starting out, you've been eating a certain way, if you change your diet completely 180 degrees the other direction and start intermittent fasting, you might be like, wow, this intermittent fasting doesn't work at all. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> when really your body's like, wait a minute, we, we liked the way you were eating before with the foods. Yes. So, you know, there's also a lot of room in between if you think of it as like a, a continuum of, You know, on the far left is a very restrictive way of eating, and on the far right is eating like you're a teenage boy at camp with no mother watching (laughs) you, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) In between there is probably your
1: sweet spot. Exactly, exactly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Neither might be the best approach long term. You know, I don't want to live a super restrictive lifestyle where I can never eat, you know, fries or cake or pie or ice cream again. Yeah, But I don't want to eat like a teenage boy at camp either because that's not, you know, going to give my body the nutrients that it needs. Right. Yes. Yeah. So just, just something to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And I
1: started doing the meal planning. Gosh, what's the name of it again that you guys advertise for? Prep dish. Yeah. I started doing that. I'm in my second week of prep dish. And so that's some really good food right there.
0: It really is. And so for anybody who's interested in that, I don't have the link at the top of my head. I'll make sure to add it the show notes or you can go to my other podcast website, which is IFpodcast.com and we have sponsors of our podcast. And so there's a link there
1: where you can sign up for a free trial of Prep Dish. Yeah. And so tell us about how you use Prep Dish. Yeah. So my first week I did it, and my husband and I, we both got in the kitchen, we turned on the music, and we we're doing paleo right now because we're doing a little experiment with my husband and daughter who have some dairy intolerance and we're suspecting some gluten intolerances. And so I'm just going along for the ride. And yeah, we were in the kitchen for like three hours, probably on Sunday, but it was fun. I just had to keep my little inner critic down as my husband was helping me prep. I am the worst. I'm like, you got to do it this way. right? (laughs) And so it's kind of helping me hone that. And so I'm not so (laughs) this way or no way. And so but yeah, it, it was good. It was really good. And so we had some leftovers. What I think I'm going to do is I'm going to work up enough leftovers, frozen of course, that I may have like a whole week's worth of food and not even have to go grocery shopping. That's awesome. So you prep it on Sunday is the day you chose. And then throughout the week, you just assemble
0: your meals. Right, exactly.
1: I just put it together when we're ready to eat, which takes not too long, depending on the dish. Some dishes more than others, but it's still reasonable.
0: Yeah, it's probably less time than having to drive through somewhere or go to the grocery store and grab something. Yep, it is. So that's the beauty of that. Because I remember back, you know, in the day of when I was still working full time and before I discovered some of these things like Prep Dish and the meal delivery kit companies. I would be on my way home from a long day of work and just the thought of what are we going to have for dinner?
1: I just couldn't even, you know, then I would drive through. Yeah. I'm like, all right, we're having fast food again. Yeah. You know, <laughs> And it takes down on those decisions that you got to make throughout the day that kind of I don't know if you're familiar with decision fatigue. Yes. But it's a thing.
0: <laughs> oh, it's it's a real thing. And so, you know, committing to one of these, like whether it's Prep Dish or whether it's one of the meal delivery kit companies, such as Plated, which is a new sponsor of this podcast oh, right here. Nice. <laughs> I'm super excited about that because I've been using Plated since gosh, twenty sixteen. I've been using it nonstop oh, since then wow. and I just love it. Nice. Lo- maybe twenty seventeen. Anyway, I'll have to count back and figure out. No, it was 2016. I've been using, yep, it was fall of 2016. I started using Plated and I've used it nonstop. But, you know, you've got the food and it comes and it's fresh just as if you bought it at the grocery store, but it's right there at my house. And then I just, I know what we're going to have. And I can shift it around night to night. Like, let's say I order four meals for the week from Plated. I don't have to like commit to which one each night. Nice. But I can say this is this I'm feeling like this one tonight, and it it just is great. So, there'll definitely be a code and a link people can find for saving some money on plated as well for anyone who'd like to try that.
1: I can't wait to check it out.
0: Yeah, I I really really enjoy plated. There's a lot of companies we've tried and and also really enjoyed, but this one is the one that my family seems to. They're always happy with it. Well, good. I'm glad you're enjoying prep dish.
1: So,
0: you're enjoying the paleo right now that feels feels good to your
1: family. Yep, I think so. I think it's a really good place for us to start, especially since we know that dairy is a problem for them.
0: Yeah. A moment of silence about the dairy because <laughs> dairy is delicious, oh, but yeah. one thing I learned when I got my results back from 23 and me and my my DNA analysis you know i was tending to be a person based on the analysis who would not have trouble with dairy but that is actually according to 23 and me the minority wow yeah. Apparently, you know, up to like 75%, something like that, of the world does struggle a bit with dairy. Wow.
1: That's so cool that you can handle it.
0: <laughs> I'm so happy. I know. But, it's you so know good. We read these diet books. I remember reading Mary Lou Henner had a plan that she did, and I, I followed her advice for a while. And one of them was dairy, give up dairy. And she's probably one of the 75% who doesn't do well with dairy. But I was like, I don't feel any better giving up
1: dairy. Yeah. <laughs> but,
0: oh, and I'll put it back in, and I'm like, isn't it interesting to have? that confirmation that I don't need to give up dairy. Yeah, it is awesome. But for those of you who suspect dairy may be a problem for you, you are probably right. Yeah. And so if, if you suspect it's not, you can always try taking it out for a while and see.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And for me, I just get a little bit of congestion When I eat dairy, and so I'm like, okay, I can deal without the congestion.
0: Yeah. So just experiment.
1: My husband and daughter, they have, it just sends them straight to the bathroom.
0: Ah, and so they're finding without the dairy that they, they do better. Yeah. That's just so good because the whole idea that you struggled with at the beginning, you know, we're delay, don't deny. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. that tends to make people think that I was promised I wouldn't have to deny. (laughs) I can add everything back, everything. But if a food is a problem for you. Yeah. You know, you got to be an adult about it. Well, Jen said, I can have whatever I wanted. Well, do you really want to have a food that sends you to the bathroom right after you eat it? Right,
1: right. And, you know, I love it, (laughs) though. I love the delay, don't deny, because you actually find that you don't really want it. You know, you allow it, and then you're like, do I really want this? Before, you didn't eat it because – You know, you were either punishing yourself or you just couldn't have it. It was the bad food. But now you're like, I just don't want it. I genuinely don't want it. And I love myself too much to allow that in here. And so now I eat what I want because I love myself, I take care of myself.
0: But you don't want it. And that's the biggest shift that people need to understand as they live the lifestyle for a long longer period of time, that becomes second nature. But you know, here we are in the first months of the year and so a lot of new people came to intermittent fasting after the, the new year and these are the people that are starting to say well wait a minute <laughs> you know I've been eating whatever I wanted and I don't feel great and I'm maybe gaining weight and so then it's time
1: to really hone that in for yourself yeah yeah I think that's so good and I almost feel like it's a needed process for some people yep. it's it's so needed because we've never really truly known what we want exactly down inside what do we really want
0: Someone could follow me around and eat exactly the same foods I eat and have totally different results. Yeah. You know, like the Mary Lou Henner plan yeah. that I, I read and followed, and she designed a plan that made her feel great. Yeah. And she followed it, and she felt better and better, but it, it I didn't notice it making me feel great or better. So, right. you know, we have different needs. And that is why I don't have, you know, a meal plan and never will that people are supposed to follow to get, you know, the best results. Because you really are in charge of discovering how foods make you feel. And some people just can't understand that. They're like, well, tell me what to eat. Yeah, What should I open my window with? Yeah, what should lot. I close my window with? We do. We get that all the time. Mm-hmm. And then when you when you say that, what should I open my window with? People start telling things and like, well, I always start with a handful of nuts. You know, or I always start with whatever. But, you know, for example, me, I can't start with nuts. Nuts make my stomach hurt yeah. on an empty stomach. Yeah. Some people though, that's what they start with every day, and that's perfect.
1: Yeah, yep. yeah. It's I read that book, The Yoga of Eating, and because of you and Melanie, <laughs> I love that book. Oh man, it really speaks to that and listening to your inside voice and Yeah, that's great. It's just so important, and I
0: genuinely believe that fasting helps us reconnect with that in a way that got lost when we were eating all the time. Mm-hmm,
1: I agree, a hundred percent
0: and so when people are just starting out with intermittent fasting be aware that you haven't developed that voice yet yeah yeah and you really have the rest of your life to get it right and that is that is a message i'd like to really hope everyone internalizes you know this isn't i don't think intermittent fasting is a diet i don't think yeah, it's something you start right. and stop i think it's i've said it before it's the health plan with the side effect of weight loss but you may have to do a good bit of tweaking before you find the weight loss but knowing the whole time that you're tweaking that you're improving
1: your health and you're learning to listen to yourself. Yeah, that helped me so much. Just to know I have my whole life ahead of me to figure this out.
0: <laughs> and you're that, not going to stop okay. and jump on a new thing, no, right? No, <laughs> it's just
1: so, and you could do things within your eating window, but you don't have to stop intermittent fasting.
0: Right. You don't have to say, "Well, this didn't work, I quit."
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: No, you just haven't found the tweak. That you need yet, right? Yeah, and nobody can tell you exactly what that's going to be because nope. it's not the same tweak I needed Exactly. <laughs> and that that's hard. We have a group that meets here in Augusta every Saturday, and we're working through it's, it's a delay. don't deny digging deeper mm. support group, just you know meeting every Saturday Is
1: and face person to person.
0: It is. We're meeting with people who live in Augusta face-to-face, and it's, yeah, we're going through the the book chapter by chapter, and I'm also leading people through it on the Facebook group, but of course, that's in the group. How
1: did you get a group like that started?
0: A group just local?
1: Yeah.
0: I just posted it in the Facebook group, anybody who lives in Augusta. Oh, wow. I also have a Delay Don't Deny Connect group on Facebook. It's only for people who have or are in one of our my other groups who have read Delay Don't Deny. So anyone who's read Delay Don't Deny, join us in the Delay Don't Deny Advanced Book Support group. And then if you would like to join the Connect group, you can. I only accept members who are in the advanced group. Yeah. Because I want people to join who have read the book. Oh, it makes sense. I want that to be our common language. Because until you have the common language, you don't necessarily understand. But we just decided we would meet. We found a time. We found a place. And people come and go week to week. It's not always the same people.
1: Yeah.
0: And we really are enjoying it. But where I was going with that story was one of the girls said she read the book, Delay Don't Deny, and she got to the end. And she's like, wait, where was the plan? (laughs) wait. So she had to go back through it. And then she's like, oh, you figured it out yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm glad you've been able to figure that out for yourself, as have I, and to understand that it's not going to be the same. Right. Yep. And even in your own life, the plan that works for you now might not be the plan that works for you in a year. Right. Yeah. So you mentioned at the beginning that you help people with emotional eating and body image. What, what sorts of things would you do to help people who have trouble with emotional eating? Because I think a lot of us do struggle with that.
1: Yeah, so what I do to help them is I help them to understand their emotions and what they're there for so that they can handle them when they happen and put them to use the way they were supposed to be put to use. So let's say that something happened, it stressed you out, and you think first you find out if it was something that really should have stressed you out for one. And then if it wasn't really something that should have stressed you out, you change the thought immediately. But if it was supposed to stress you out, then you be like, (laughs) you have to be like, okay, so what am I going to do with this stress? Am I going to push it down with food and ignore it and act like I'm not a human being? Or am I going to acknowledge my humanity, acknowledge the stress and do what I'm supposed to do with this stress to correct the situation. And so that's basically it in a nutshell. I help people to look at their emotions, kind of explain their emotions and to themselves in a way like sadness. Like it makes your throat feel tight. It makes your stomach hurt. And because of these two things, I'm going to totally obliterate myself with food. You know, it's like the problem I that people have with food is so much worse than that little like the constricting of the throat or the soreness in the tummy. It's like I help them to realize that it's easier to sit with that than it is to sit with not doing with their life what they should have with those emotions. And to just basically, like I said before, acknowledge their humanity.
0: Oh, that's such an important shift. Yeah. Because those of us who have ever had an experience where we eat too much because you know we're responding to something that's emotional. When it's all said and done, did we feel better at the end of that? Right. Or did we actually make ourselves feel
1: worse? Right. It's like we're punishing ourselves, but we don't think we are. <laughs> we think right. that we're helping ourselves. And to a point, some people maybe they will, it's kind of like the bully concept. The bully right. is trying to help us, but not the way we want it to help us. And so, but this isn't the bully. This is another part of us.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it feels like it's helping you. And then you realize, no, it didn't. And now I feel worse than if I'd done it. Yeah. So it's, it's learning how to change your self-talk before you don't get caught into that whole pattern. Right. Exactly. So let me shift gears a little bit and ask you, besides your weight loss and getting to the you know the point where you feel good about your body and good about your size, have you had any other positive
1: health changes? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness, way more than I expected. Oh, my goodness. So (laughs) I could go on and on, but I'll just try to keep (laughs) it to a few things here. I would say my gut health got so much better. I used to struggle every three months with intense bouts of heartburn and gosh, yeah, it was just major heartburn and my throat would close off when I would try to eat food and that Mm. completely went away. Yeah, I could barely swallow my own spit. It got so bad. But that went away, and uh, the only time it came back was when I started ignoring my cues, and I didn't listen, and then it came back. But then as soon as I started acknowledging what was going on, then it went away again, and I haven't dealt with it. Oh, that's a big one. Yeah. Uh, And the other one was my monthly cycle. It got very regular almost to the day, I can count on it happening. And I'm in perimenopause. So it should not be that regular, but it's like more regular now than it even was before I was in perimenopause.
0: (laughs) That's important to know, because, you know, so much chatter that you can read on the internet, talks about women and, you know, some some idea that it's going to like mess us up. Right? <laughs> you know? I know. It's true
1: because we're women. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, you've got to be careful. You're a delicate flower. <laughs> but we've actually on the Intermittent Fasting Podcast talked to some OBGYN physicians yeah. and females, and they actually use intermittent fasting with their patients. And, you know, to, to hear that your hormonal, your
1: cycle got more regular. Yes, yeah, it didn't didn't mess you up, right? And <laughs> a breast tenderness went away, like completely. Like it used to get so bad, and now it's like not. It doesn't even exist anymore. It's, That's awesome. Yeah. So,
0: women, rest assured, you know. There are OBGYN physicians using intermittent fasting themselves with their patients. And so, you know, you do want to pay attention to cycle changes that might concern you and check with your doctor if you ever have specific concerns. Also, there may be a little weirdness as your body adjusts. But, you know, don't worry, worry, worry that somehow
1: women should not do intermittent fasting. Yeah, I 100% agree. I love that podcast. Was it Anna Kabeka? Was that who that was? Yes, Dr. Kebeca. She was fabulous yeah. and
0: she I really enjoyed talking to her. All right, so we are almost out of time, which is always a surprise because it happens so quickly. <laughs> and so, and I should probably stop saying that cuz I think I say it every time. <laughs> <laughs> but since we're almost out of time, I like to end with what would you tell someone who's just starting out with intermittent fasting? Or, what do you wish you knew when you started?
1: Oh, what I would say, or what I wish I knew when I started, was that I don't have to be militant. Once I make it past those points, you know what I'm talking about? The points where you're adjusting. So, during the adjusting points, it's probably a good idea to be a little militant. But once you get past those adjusting points and you know you're adjusted, then you really, really, really need to start to listen to your cues and not be militant anymore.
0: That's great advice because, yes, during the adjustment phase, your body's going to feel weird and you're going to be grouchy and hangry and tired and all of that. But once you get to the other side of that, it might take three weeks, it might take a month, Yeah. then it's time to start listening to your body. Right, yeah. Because during the adjustment phase, your body is like, oh, no. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's going to give you some backlash for sure. That's right. But it does get better. And once you get to the better side of it, that's when you really can learn to tune in. Yeah. That's some great advice. Well, Julie, thank you so much for talking to me today. And I've really enjoyed the conversation. And I think that some of the things we talked about will help people a lot who've struggled with their own body
1: image, emotional eating, that sort of thing. Yeah, I agree. Great. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast.
0: Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at com, and I'll add you to the lineup.